Reveille, Reveille, donks. Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat. Oh, yeah. Hashtag fired up to be back at it. It's Morning Combat. You can save your revelry for the ex-Marines, and I do believe... There is such a thing as that. Uh, it is Monday, November 2nd, 2020. You're looking at the BBC right here, the big beige himself, Brian Campbell. One half, of course, of your regular morning combat duo. The other half, right? The guy with the big following. The guy with that massive producer credit. His name is Luke Thomas. He's off this week. I don't want to out him. He's got some personal business. It's very important. He's going to take care of. This ain't Goodwill Hunting. He didn't have to go see about a girl. He does have to go see about an important small man. So, uh, you know, I don't know if it's about three needles or not, but he can tell that story himself. So while Luke is away, you know the beige one will play a big weekend to react to in all of combat sports. We're talking Gervonta Davis, Showtime pay-per-view, the knockout heard round the world. We're talking Anderson Silva's uh, possible swan song. All that and then some tall, pale, and handsome. It is your boy BC coming at you. Uh, thank you for once again supporting what we do here, Showtime CBS Sports Malka on Morning Combat. Big week last week, Jersey City. We hit you up hard. Got a lot more content that we created still to come. I think that we're filming a documentary or something about us. You're not going to want to miss that. But if you missed Room Service Diaries, please, there ain't nothing like two white middle-aged guys drinking 40s in their 40s and uh, trying not to get fired. So check that out. Uh, look, if you want to wear the merch, all right? You should, okay? I mean, there are people out there who ask me, BC, if I buy the merch, will I guarantee to show up on your show? The answer is you're damn right, okay? So uh, go over on over to store.show.com for your finest uh, T-shirts, sweatshirts. Get your abuela outfitted in this dad cap. She'll love that shit. Uh, please do that. And uh, for all you international buyers, uh, you're, you're pounding sand for now. Some of you may live in a region filled with sand. You got to go outside and pound it. We're still trying to figure that thing out. I know it's 2020. It shouldn't be that hard. Uh, also, you want a 30-day free trial of Showtime? You, you damn right you do, okay? So here's what I need you to do. Uh, maybe you could put that thing. So I could, there you go. You want a 30-day free trial? It's Showtime.com. Uh, it's not just great championship boxing, right? It's not just... The Morning Combat Strike Force Classic Show. It's the only place, by the way, you can find it. It's got its own folder. More Ronaldo, Scott Coker, Luke, and myself. Don't miss it. Documentaries, movies, maybe some nudes there as well. Maybe Red Shoe Diaries lingering, hopefully so. Uh, but that's it. I don't have much else to sell you. But here's how we're going to do it today, all right? Jay, you there? Can I bring in you? Jay, can I bring you in real quick, Jay? No, no. Okay, not now, not now. Jay's in the haunted house basement at the moment. Uh, you will be seeing some of Jay today, but filling Luke Thomas's shoes. Uh, we got so much to talk about. We split up the duties. We're going to bring in Rafe Bartholomew in a second to talk some boxeo. Bring in the Hall of Famer Sugar Rashad Evans right after to break down all MMA stories. A lot to talk about on that regard. Um, I think you're going to like it a lot. If you're one of those haters on the box, okay, you, you can catch the timestamp and fast forward. This is your dream come true. We're going to do the box first, but uh, that's about it. You'll be hearing from Jay later. Let's do it. Let's buckle up. Let, let's do it, okay? All right, let's do this crap. Like the video, subscribe. This MK rocket ship. I mean, it's going, it's going far, all right? We need you to get on board right now. Big weekend to recap, and that starts right now. Let me bring him in. He's my brother in the box. He's a New York Times bestselling author. He's the best boxing writer on the globe. 
His name is Rafe Bartholomew. Rafe, great to have you back on. You're my MK Boxing Hardcores brethren, but uh, fired up to have you here, my friend. My man, thank you. Uh, and look, it's exciting to be here with the real Morning Combat MK Ultra audience, not not our little uh, our little not corner our, of our... the YouTube. This is the this is the real deal. This is the raw dog, as they say. Yeah, this is the people that know this game, if you know what I'm saying there. Uh, Rafe, you, you've probably seen his boxing writing at places like Grantland.com, The Athletic. Uh, be sure to check out his newsletter, of course, uh, Respect Box, which is back in circulation. So check him out at Rafe Boogs on Twitter for more info. Uh, Rafe, we have got a big weekend to break down, and it started. It was big, the biggest one was what happened there on Showtime Pay-Per-View at the Alamo Dome. Gervonta Davis, Leo Santa Cruz, two titles, two divisions, but it was... Gervonta, that brought the boom on Halloween. I want to frame it to you like this to start it off. For all the talk about the commercial aspects, Gervonta's debut at pay-per-view at age 25, both fighters wanted more critical acclaim from this fight on a pound-for-pound level. With this sixth-round knockout, unbelievable left uppercut that knocked Leo out cold, dropped him under the ring ropes in the corner. Uh, what did we learn about Gervonta on this night? What I mean... Well, this is his biggest win by far, I would say. And Leo Santa Cruz fought well, came, you know, came to fight, looked like a good version of himself. It's a significant win, even if, yeah, we, we have to mention the caveats about Leo's size. He, he's not a natural 130. He was probably better at 122 pounds, maybe 126 pounds where he beat Carl Frampton. But still, still, it was a good, really good performance and a fun fun-ass fight. I mean, and I do want to talk a little bit about commercial value here. This was like, you were talking about Goodwill Hunting earlier, BC. This one, I wanted to give a classic and respect, rest in peace to Sean Connery, a classic Finding Forrester line to Gervonta Davis. You're the man now, dog! Uh, yeah, you're damn right he's the man now because you want to talk about Making your pay-per-view debut, there's a lot of pressure. Having Floyd everywhere, putting his arm around you, it's double the pressure. Could it have gone any better if this was your first time buying into who this Tank Davis guy is, this Mike Tyson of the smaller weight classes? I mean, is this straight up your knockout of the year? I think it could be. Look, uh, the hardcores among us will, can point to some other great ones. We saw it last, at the beginning of the October, right? Jose Zepeda knocking out Ivan Baranchik in that incredible nine knockdown war, which probably has to still be the fight of the year. Or, uh, Alexander Povetkin knocking out with a, a similar slip uppercut Dillian White earlier this year. And then they're doing that fight again next month. It's crazy. Or this month. Uh, but so it's, it's all up to you. I, I will make one argument for why this was. Javante Davis did have the, the knockout of the year on Saturday night. And it's the way he set it up. There was an element of baiting Leo Santa Cruz. Letting him throw those three consecutive straight rights. And, not, and, and sort of playing. The first one landed a little bit. The second one... Javante, you know, parried. Third one, slip, boom, uppercut. I mean, he, it was, it was calculated. You could actually see him putting it together. And that, I could see, you could say that elevates it among the other ones. Not that those were lucky punches or accidents, but just, it was, it was perfectly executed. Yeah. And look, uh, we talked about this coming in that if Javante walks in there and blows him away, Let's say it's a second-round knockout. Leo never got started. I don't think he's going to get that critical respect that he wants because people will talk about it's a smaller fighter moving up. Although, let's, let's lay out what that actually was. Leo was taller and longer, and I think size-wise, it looked pretty similar. I think the real divide between them, of course, was power, that even though Leo 
a four-division champion, a guy who'd been lingering around the pound-for-pound top 10 for many years, only one loss, and he redeemed that against the great Carl Frampton. I don't really think he had big-time power even at 122, and we all know Gervonta has the kind of, of, of one-hit-a-quitta, as they say, that, that you know may even rise higher than lightweight for all we know. So that seemed to be the big divide, but Leo went for it. Rafe, you've been in this game a long time with me. You don't see this type of devastating knockouts at the highest level uh, that often because I think a lot of times guys get into a tough fight. They're thinking about the money. They're thinking about what's next. They're thinking about a lot of things. They're not risking it all. Leo Santa Cruz came in here to risk it all, brother, and we certainly have to give him a ton of respect for that. And he allowed Gervonta, I believe, by being good, by pushing the pace, by being smart, by having his moments, he allowed Gervonta to show us uh, enough to, I believe, gain that critical respect. You know, no one pushed Gervonta uh, to the full distance except for that one time in that six-round fight six years ago. And there's a reason for that. His power is obscene in there. But I think that Leo made enough adjustments that we had to see Tank for the first time make his own counter adjustments when he was going to the body in rounds four and five. Were you starting to pick up on that it may not be long for Leo to withstand this kind of punishment? Certainly in round four, there was some of those body shots and he landed, I mean, it was one of the rounds in which he landed a similar version of the uppercut that ended up finishing the fight and really getting Leo's attention, backing him up. I thought I thought Tank was taking over in the fourth and fifth rounds and, and that continued in the sixth until the end. That doesn't mean Leo didn't have rallies. That didn't mean that he wasn't still being effective, landing punches, backing up Davis at times. That's what made it a, a good test and something that, yeah, like you mentioned, BC, this was a way to, to, to give, give people who've been craving a chance to see what happens when we start to push Gervonta a little bit. Yeah, well, we've seen that he can get hit. We've seen that he can take a punch, at least from Leo Santa Cruz, which is not the heaviest in the world. But look, I mean, this was a, a fighter with only one loss that you mentioned he avenged. And we saw him respond well. We saw him keep it, you know, set up that shot that ended the fighter. It's, it's, it's a meaningful, meaningful win. Yeah, and to Leo's credit, look, he did, you know, cause swelling around the right eye of uh, Gervonta. And two punches before the knockout, Leo snapped Gervonta's head back with a nice lead right. Unfortunately for himself, he got trapped in the corner. Gervonta set him up perfectly uh, to get the finish there. So, uh, look, let's be, let's be straight up and honest. Gervonta hadn't leaped into the top 10 pound for pound before this because, you know, we love the wins over guys like Pedraza in that. But, you know, for either bad luck or even level matchmaking. We never got to see him against true elites. Uh, I would have loved that Abner Morris fight in 2019, but Morris fell out at the last minute. Do you think this was enough against a four division champion, a guy who I've had anywhere between nine and 12 on my pound for pound rankings for whatever that means for the past two, three years. Is this enough to get Gervonta into the top 10 in your eyes? Hell no, Brian. Anybody's whoa, no, whoa, hell no, whoa. no one, one meaningful win against a guy who he was favored oh, five to one favorite against who there was a size issue. You get on the pound for pound list with a resume. You get on the pound for pound list by beating different kinds of fighters by beating a guy who is not in so look leo is elite this is an elite win i respect the win this is maybe one or two more wins like this i will entertain this because javante's uh talent pops off the screen but brian it, it's it's crazy to be like you get one decent win and we're putting you in the pound for pound list that only happens to a guy who's already 
top three famous in boxing. Okay, cool. We all want the likes. We all want some of that fame. We all want the views and all that. But no, he he has not earned it yet. And also, Leo, in some ways, you could look. I, I, let me put on my devil's advocate or whatever, my hater hat. Yeah, why, why don't you put on your 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 eye test glasses? Because we were ranking <laughs> Gennady Golovkin. A long time before he went into against any elites. Did you were you not entertained enough that there's a top ten talent in front of you? Uh I entertainment is not a top ten consideration, is it? Look, who are you gonna drop? You're gonna drop my man Jermel Charlo, like Lions only? Cause look at all the wins that Jermel Charlo has. Isn't he number ten? I got Jamal in my top. Oh, 10, see, bro. well, okay, uh, he also has only two good wins. Um but Javante, man. So man, look. Um, for me, Brian, it just, he hasn't done it yet. Let him fight a different, co- a couple more styles, get another couple good wins. I don't care if he does it at 130 or 135. I think this is a great moment for him because, look, he's the toast of the sport. He's the toast of the sport, of, of the entire sports world for a night. And it allows him to see the way that he dedicated himself to this fight, made 130 with no problems, none of the old distractions from before. If he responds to this the right way and, and kind of dedicates himself to the sport the way that his mental and promoter Floyd Mayweather always did no matter what was going on in his life uh then yeah he he will be on that list he's got the talent you still got to earn it though I think he did I think he earned the back end of it whether you have met 10 you have met as an honorable Get, mention top he's 25 my man now. top 25 he's in the conversation a lot from that eye test because we knew he could destroy Hold people up. I think he showed us enough class in there this time around but to be honest look against my take is what you sort of said we haven't always seen the dialed-in Gervonta that's to the full capabilities of what he's got under the hood. This may have been the first time, all right? And it was spectacular, and this is a call-out and a danger to the rest of the division around 130 and 135, and maybe specifically, Rafe, as we look ahead, that group of five guys that I'm t- – I don't know. I don't have a name for them. Were they the, the, the Rat Pack, the Brat Pack, the uh, – the gap pat. I don't know what we're going to call these guys, but there are five guys right in and around that 135 division. Gervonta, Ryan Garcia, Devin Haiti, who returns this weekend, Shakur Stevenson, who's going to be moving up soon to this area, and Teofimo Lopez is coming off that breakthrough win to get himself in the pound-for-pound list. Uh, here's what's interesting. You, you got to believe that uh, Gervonta's got the head start commercially here, and... Do you think that, you know, this knockout was at least a statement enough to say, as things stand right now, if these five are competing against each other to see who has next, you could have Gervonta in that number one position right now as sort of the guy leading the pack? In terms of star power, in terms of being a draw for the sport, I think he already is the only one. I mean, and I don't even know. I don't know if I put him on this level yet, talent-wise, but certainly commercially. You, you, you mentioned you got to mention Ryan Garcia. If he comes through against Luke Campbell later this year in December and looks great, then then it becomes sort of an interesting question. Well, who's got the greater star power, the TikTok you know influencer guy, or the guy who basically inherited Floyd Mayweather's fan base and has that cosign? And it's, it, look, that's great for the sport to have two fighters who could and hopefully will eventually fight each other in a big fight in a sport, in a fight that the entire world will, or at least the sports world, will be all over. You're up in that Lions only gear right there? Am I picking up on this late? Well, of course. Well, I don't know. I, I mentioned it earlier. I, like, uh, I got I, right. no shame, maybe. You already know the best. You're a, if you're a lion or a snake right now. Um, of that five, of the other four names in that group, 
What's the biggest fight as things look right now? If you're Javante Davis and you're Al Heyman and PBC and you're looking to the future and you're already sort of setting up the chess pieces a year from now, let's say, who's the guy? Who, what's the biggest fight you can make between Gervonta and anybody in that group? Look, if you're just looking for the money and you're looking for a fight that I think Gervonta probably wins, maybe easily knocks somebody out, I would take Ryan Garcia. You get it? You get to you get to make a bunch of millions and millions of teenage girls weep, and you know you, you like everybody kisses your ass like that. It is, it is it, that's the one that you would look for. I, that's probably what Floyd would do. That's what what would Floyd do? Floyd would probably do something like that. The be, the, the most important fight, the guy who just beat. A pound for pound top one, two, or three fighter, Teofimo Lopez. That's the guy who, if you're looking for, for legacy, for glory, for the most meaningful win you could put on your resume to put yourself right in the top five pound for pound, yeah, go beat go beat Teo. I do I do want to say this though. It's a different argument. If you tell me we're getting dialed in Gervante, the guy who made 130 on the scale on Friday, the guy who's listening to another man who knows this game in Floyd Mayweather. If he's going to be that guy every time out, I, th I think he's certainly back in discussion that he could end up being the best of this five. Certainly, Teofimo Lopez is right in that discussion right now. Also, if you know how big I am on Shakur Stevenson, maybe lapping everybody long-term. We'll see how it plays out. I want to close quickly with this on Gervonta, though. Uh, we've seen a lot of people dub the next Mayweather before. You know, like Broner, it didn't happen. Uh, other guys, Floyd has promoted or put his arm around. Um, I got to give Gervonta this, not just getting to the pay-per-view level three years earlier than Floyd. And I know Floyd did it invertedly. He got the critical respect first, and then he was really smart in how he positioned himself at welterweight and developed that persona to become the biggest star ever on pay-per-view. I feel like Gervonta's got a head start. And I know I don't believe he's the same boxer as Floyd by any means, and he's got a lot more to prove. But could you at least agree on this? I mean, he can do things Floyd couldn't at the higher weight classes, you know, maybe outside of that Ricky Hatton fight. Deliver spectacular, savage KOs, which is a lot of ways the gateway drug to the casual audience. I mean, we talked about it couldn't go any better than this. I almost feel like the more Tank grows, I think the less he's going to need or want Floyd's arm around him. But I think he's developing himself already as a completely different cat altogether, and, I, and that's 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 a that's props to him in that regard. Absolutely. Look, I don't. One thing I think we can take away from this fight is, is that we're never going to have the issue that we had sometimes with Floyd Mayweather, where people would buy the pay per view and then it would be Floyd, you know, putting on a clinic and cruising to a 12 round victory where a guy barely touches him and he looks like he barely breaks a sweat and you're like that was a fight uh and boxing fans appreciate it cuz we uh, like we know what what Floyd is doing in there but with Tank I mean you saw this 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 was back and forth. He did get hit a little. He doesn't. His de his off his his defense is his offense, right? Like he his counter punches are the only reason he's not going to get hit with a lot because it's not like he's moving his head much uh, or his legs. Uh, so he he's going to make fun fights. He has incredible power. He'll produce knockouts, and he even has like a, a signature punch in that left uppercut. That I mean, he he you see him rolling it almost like a bolo and still landing it with that hand speed. It's. There's a there's a great mixture of commercial things there. He's gonna make fun fights. I I pay to, I I am happy I paid to watch him fight. When yeah, do boxing fans ever shit. say that? Yeah, I'll find you if you're streaming that shit. All right, Showtime is the label that pays me. By the way, tweets from Conor McGregor, from LeBron James, from a lot of others. Uh, Gervonta has that it factor. Gary Russell Jr. knocking on that door. I wonder if they make that. They gotta Gary make it. My man, they bro. gotta we'll make see. that. DC we'll and Baltimore, right. that's like the biggest fight you could have in the region. Do it. That's true.
That's true. I think even Luke Thomas, Washington uh, uh, beloved, would would be down for that as well. Uh, let's hit Alexander Usyk. You and I look. You and I straight up double kebab. We could not be bigger Usyk fans. You criticized to a certain degree me having him at number five or six on the pound for pound list coming in here. This was his first real heavyweight step up after that Chaz Witherspoon late replacement. We didn't learn anything. It was Derek Chisora. And oh, by the way, Rafe, it was a fired up, focused Del Boy who got in shape and was coming to win in London. It's a unanimous decision for Alexander Usyk. But you see those uh, responses on Twitter of, wow, he had a, 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 a much tougher time than we expected coming in. Does this drop Usyk from the pound for pound ranking he enjoyed because of what he did bringing four titles together at cruiserweight. Update me on heavyweight Usyk right now. Look, I think that if you had, wherever you had Alexander Usyk before this Derek Chisora fight on your mythical rankings, leave him right in place. This is what heavyweight Usyk is going to look like. I apologize to everyone who, who, who hadn't watched him ever at cruiserweight, hadn't seen the type of fighter he is, hadn't seen that it's really his legs, his stamina, his movement that is going to win him fights. It's what won him fights at cruiserweight. And it's not power. It's not always... It, it, it's going to be a little bit ugly. These fights get ragged, right? Because he's dealing with bigger guys who, when they have energy early in the fight, can can really move him around the ring, even if they're, look, how many clean punches did Derek Tesora land? Like 15? Uh, not many. I mean, his best punch was when he would do that weird funky shift and, and turn into a, a, a southpaw jab. Um, but other than that, man, it, it, I, Usyk just, he, he boxed circles around him. He won, I, look, the, the, the seven five scorecards in the UK, those were classic UK Homer scorecards. That was some some wild crazy. <laughs> Can we get stuff. Carl Frotch in here to, to give us a 10-10 round. His scorecards <laughs> are the worst. Come on. Um but look, I just I think it's going to look like this. He's that's his best chance. That this is how he's gonna win fights at this level. It's not going to be as impressive or eye-catching, and people are gonna doubt him. But I I, I went through this same exact pro- progression at Cruiserweight, where I saw his wins against like Tabisu Mchunu and you know Michael Hunter before we realized how good Michael Hunter was. Uh, and, and I was like, this guy, I'm not, I'm not buying it. He doesn't knock anybody out. He just, he, he outboxed him, but this isn't that special. And then he just, he goes up the level and keeps doing it. He keeps winning. I don't, that doesn't mean I favor him, but I put him, I, I think that he will still be a difficult opponent for anyone. All right, but there's a difference between being a tough out at the super heavyweight level and being a guy who I... I don't want to say I jumped the gun. I don't want to say I, uh, you know, I don't want to say I teased the bag and, and accidentally got the mess. But I thought watching him do what he did at Cruiserweight, beating Gassiev, Briatis, uh, uh, good God, uh, all those top guys, and then going in there and Tony Bellew and, and knocking him the hell out and retiring him, I'm like, bro, you. I, I told you I had that argument with Eddie Hearn. He said, no, Usyk's too small. I said, no, he's going to beat Joshua. He's going to take the titles. He's going to ruin your waistcoat, bro. You're always wearing them English vests around us. He's going to put a stain on that. I don't know if I believe that now. And that's a little bit uh, judgmental because Derek Chisora, again, is a credible heavyweight. And he came in there in the best shape we'd seen him in years. This was a Super Bowl for him. If he won that, he's the mandatory for Anthony Joshua. And even though Usyk made the proper adjustments, he did Usyk things. He's the Lomachenko of the heavyweight division in some ways. I don't think he can hurt people. 
I mean, he wore he wore Chisora down. You really you I, saw you know, rounds where like Derek Chisora barely was getting back to his corner, right? I, I think you can criticize Usyk for maybe not stepping on the gas round seven, eight, nine when it looked like Chisora was was almost ready to go, um, fine. But yo, he, he he won nine or more rounds of that fight, and. It just, it, it was a, it, is he, he's not going to, he's not going to impress people at heavyweight until he does the same thing to some guy who we think he's not going to beat. And he might not beat him, but he can. Is it, does he have Chris Bird long-term potential? A guy who can win a title or two, win a couple fights, maybe get knocked out a few times. Do you see him as a modern-day Chris Bird or still as this Swiss Army Knife Lomachenko-esque guy? I mean, what is going to happen, Rafe, when he does face the AJ's? The Deontay Wilders, the Tyson Furies, the Luis Ortiz is the, the, the third best heavyweight in the world, by the way. Thank you. Yes, Thank yes, you. of course. King Kong. You know, I'm the real King Kong. Um, yeah, well, King Kong ain't got nothing on Usyk, Brian. But what uh, I think I think it's the style question. In, in each, even though that like you can always, the obvious thing is they're all really much bigger than Usyk. Taller, beefier. They outweigh him anywhere from 20 to 40 pounds. 50 pounds probably in Tyson Fury's case. Um, the thing, I think that the Usyk style could do well against guys like Anthony Joshua because we've seen AJ gas before. And he, 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 he you know, carrying all that muscle around is difficult for 12 rounds as much movement as Usyk can face he has a chance to sort of take him into deep waters and win rounds late in that fight he has to not get caught and that is one thing that I notice about Usyk that does concern me his legs are great but he and this is sort of like a Lomachenko issue too this might be the the Papachenko style um they don't have great head movement and that's that's what makes Tyson Fury such a great defensive fighter at heavyweight and the that side of it you know he does get caught Usyk does get caught and you don't want to get caught when you're that small at heavyweight against guys like Deontay Wilder AJ or even Fury now the way he's fighting well, I love the man. I, I wish him well. I don't know if I can favor him over these elites. I want to see it, though. And he's going to only climb that ladder more. He's the mandatory for Joshua. Let's see if there's a chance we can see that. Uh, we all want to see you know, Fury against Joshua once or twice next year. So we'll see what happens there. Let's close with this. The number two guy on my pound for pound list. You may hear this word come out of my mouth, MMA fans. It's called... Uh, it's called The Monster, Niowa Inoue. You better learn this guy. He had his American close-up on Saturday on ESPN+. Plus, Going in there defending two titles at Bantamweight against Jason Maloney. And, uh, Rafe, ahead of the time, you and I, we respect the Maloney twins. We respect Aussie boxers. But to quote Mike Tyson, I was, I was going to ask the Maloney family to get their affairs together, right? You know, you better get your will ready because this man comes to take your soul Fresh off the fight of the year against Nonito Donare last year to unify titles at the WBSS, I didn't see a slowdown. I saw an absolute monster. Gervonta wins Saturday night, but Inoue came close, Rafe. He came close. That was such an impressive performance. I mean, he was in control, it, it seemed, every moment of that fight. And those knockdowns, that knockout uh, in the seventh round, the punch, that, that, was, one, that, how, that was like a six-inch right hand uh, i mean i like i, I don't want to get i'm not i want to be a size yeah. queen here uh but uh <laughs> yeah no i mean just the the 
the quickness, the delivery, it was, it, it was breathtaking. And, and it was those kind of, those, these knockout punches, these counters punching at the same time as Maloney and catching him that you had to watch twice to see how he did it or more. And it, it, it's really, it, it put, it was, it was a, Breathtaking in a lot of ways. And Maloney is not bad. He is very, he's a clear top five at Bantamweight. He tried to win. Yeah. He tried to win the fight against a killer. And, you know, you when you do that, you get sent to hell, brother. But I'll give him that credit. Yeah, I mean, and it just, it just, I, 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 look, I'm a homer. Folks who don't know me, I used to live in the Philippines. Uh, so it makes me think back on that fight Nonito Donaire put up against uh, Inoue last year. And it's like, wow, Nonito did that against that guy? And no one else is even coming close. No one else is even sniffing anything against him. Yeah, Nonito poured out the jug. And oh, by the way, we know Nonito Donaire is going to have that fight with Ubali for the title at 118 in December. And... After this win, Inoue said, look, I want the winner of that fight. We may see Donaire get a second helping of all things Monster Inoue, but if you're not woke to this guy, you need to be. Uh, to close on this, Rafe, we saw Chocolatito Gonzalez uh, come to the U.S. and finally get pushed back on HBO after his prime, though. Inoue's won titles in three divisions because he was starting to get title fights in like his fifth pro fight. This seems the perfect time to try to make this guy a star here, despite the language barrier. He's cool as hell looking. He knocks people the hell out. He can box. He can do all this. Do you have any idea of what his ceiling actually could be as a U.S. draw? Look, um, I, people like to compare him to Manny Pacquiao because they are like, hey, they are both from Asia. Like that's stop, stop. They're different countries. They're different personalities. Different fighters. Sometimes I have a fight. I have a fight with Asian guy. <laughs> right, that, that, that's not what they say. I have a fight with a Thailand guy. Um, for references, nobody understands. But Brian, um, I, I think that just pump the brakes. I think that he does have a lot of commercial potential. He's. I don't. I don't think Inoue is going to rate or go up in weight classes the way that Manny did, because that almost never happens. It, it may it really has only happened with Manny. Canelo is doing a little bit of something like that. In any case, it's just very difficult, and he could be a star here. Kind of. I think if he his career moves similar to the way uh, Vasily Lomachenko's has, where he's a foreign fighter, he's extremely talented. He gets showcased on uh, on ESPN or whatever other networks he eventually fights for uh and then but he may not become a, a pay-per-view star and if he tries to jump up to like lightweight or something to do that he's that's not a good no. idea don't do that he's uh. not that big and that's fine he could be everyone's darling the 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 the, the fight fans favorite fighter and have a great career that way. And oh, by the way, be the, the biggest deal in his country where that probably matters to him a lot more than having, you know, than, than having fans in the States. Well, he also called out Jean-Riel Casimero, who we saw on the Charlo Brothers Showtime pay-per-view undercard with that sensational stoppage. That fight was supposed to happen to unify belts before the quarantine. If we get that next or if... If Inoue can put on the big boy pants and keep climbing to 122, there are so many big names there. Um, could be fun. Could be fun. Rafe Bartholomew. Uh, hey, bro, tell the people here, okay? Because you do this this newsletter. It, it used to be called Respect Box, but now you've aligned with the folks at Ring City USA who are going to be kicking off their new boxing series on NBC later this month. 
Where can people get this in their in-hole? So right? if you, in their inbox, sorry. Yeah, your inbox, in-hole, you can consume it any way you want. Um, it's a newsletter that Ring City USA, this boxing startup, is sponsoring. Uh, but it's just me riffing, doing my thing on boxing. Whatever, whatever is going on in a given week, I'm writing about it. And uh, you could get it. Uh, it's the link to subscribe is on my Twitter account, uh, Rafe Boogs, right in my bio. I think Ring City, it's on their Twitter as well. Once the show starts uh, later this month, then I think that's when they're going to really start pushing it out there a little harder but you can find it just 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 you know come at me come at me you'll find it yeah come at me bro uh he's at rafe boogs on twitter he's my brother in this box game you'll be seeing him on mk boxing hardcores when we f around and throw that out there but rafe thank you sir for your service and uh you know you're out bro you're out i'm out you're out you're out Big weekend in the box indeed. Uh, thank you for staying with us on that one. Now we got to switch back over to the cage. We got to get into all things Spider Silva for age 45, the finale. And I got a Hall of Famer I got to bring in here, okay? I got a man who's always sweet and never sour. You know him as that tower of ayahuasca power. It's not often we bring Hall of Famers into the MK show, but I got a lot of UFC here to talk about with the great one himself, Sugar Rashad Evans. Do we have the man in the second box? There he is, uh, fresh off the jet plane, back from Vegas. Rashad, you were in the building on Saturday night when we saw a middleweight main event, Uriah Hall against Anderson Silva, billed as his final UFC bout, even though he does have one left on the contract, and he got stopped in the fourth round. He was uh, He was in it early, but the punches, the aggression caught up to him. Be honest. Are you going to pull a Prince Nassim? Should Anderson Silva finish? It seems like the end here. It's definitely the end. I mean, you know, he fought a really good uh, spirited fight for like the first two rounds. The third round was kind of lackluster, but, you know, he just, um, you know, he showed that he has ability to still be accurate at times, but when it comes to being able to actually fight and, and, and withstand the damage, he can't withstand the damage. And, and that's the problem. You know, I think his fight IQ is there. His ability to fight is there. But being able to withstand the damage is something now that he just can't do. Yeah, this, this is reminiscent a lot of, of the last 10 years of Roy Jones's career in boxing where, like Anderson, Roy in his prime had such an advantage over everyone in speed, athleticism, reaction time that even, even washed with respect, they could still compete. I mean, we saw Anderson when he... When he was willing to give it all against Adesanya, he competed on a fairly even level for parts of that fight. And I think he did so again in this fight. But like Roy, when he started to get in, uh, you know, knocked out, uh, the more he stepped up in class as, as an older guy, it'll catch up with you. The punch resistance certainly wasn't there. Yeah. And, you then know, we... When you get older, um, you just can't take the concussive blows anymore. You know, it's just something that your body does to protect you. It just shuts down. And uh, the more that you had that button turned off, the faster that comes, you know, once you get it knocked down, once you get that button pressed, the older you get, it just, it just goes faster and faster. You get hit with a jab. Next thing you know, you feel like you've been rocked. So yeah, I mean, there's, there's nothing you can do about it. It's just father time. 
Uh, we saw a very emotional scene afterwards. You were you were in the in the building to corner Greg Hardy, which we'll get into a second. You also work the uh, post fight show for ESPN. There, we saw uh, Hall get on his hands and knees and really bow down to the uh, you know his idol, his hero in Anderson Silva. We saw emotion, Rashad, like I really haven't seen before in the cage, hugging, praying, crying. Anderson, tell them go get your title. Don't be sad. You you saw Uriah Hall do a Shawn Michaels on Ric Flair with the. I'm sorry. I love you. Uh, what was what the hell was this like? I mean, I, I even got touched. I was I was kind of being snarky at first. By the end of it, I'm like Anderson. I love you, brother. I love you. It, it was it was emotional. I, I must admit, you know, um, you know, watching that and just you know, you know, for me, I'm still so connected to to my departure from the cage. So um, I was I was feeling some of that. You know what I'm saying? I was just you know kind of feeling what that feels like and just kind of putting my mind where he must be right now and just uh, watching him. Um, it, it was sad, but at the same time, it was a very beautiful scene and it really showed what this sport is about. You know, I mean, these guys just went in there and just tried to take each other head off for 15, 20 minutes. But then at the end of the day, you know, it was nothing but love and respect. And to watch Anderson Silva to finish his career, the way he finished his career was sad. But at the same time, you know, it, it was, um, it, it gave me a little bit of just, the fact that he went out the way that he wanted to, you know, and I think that's what made me happy, you know, and even hearing him after the, uh, the, the, the fight was over with the post fight interview, you know, he spoke about truly what, what it is for, for athletes and, and, you know, what it means to compete as far as from the psychological aspect and really making sure that, you know, you go out there and you make it about the sport and about being a martial artist. And I think that's a message that gets lost to a lot of the younger generation because it's all about making money and about talking trash to get the uh, big fight. Now, look, you know, I respect that Silva after was really honest about how hard this is. It's so hard. This is who he is. He doesn't want to give this up. I'm sure you endured that. Uh, uh, you know, it's, it's part of your identity. It's who you are. You know Dana, you know Dana, right? Dana's got a way of, uh, Dana White, of uh, of dropping a deuce on anything nice and special. And Dana afterwards, straight up at the press conference said, he, quote, deeply regrets booking this fight. He not only threw shade at Hall's inability to finish him sooner, he basically said, I never should have put this fight together. And I thought that was harsh and a little bit overboard because Rashad, I mean, we've been putting BJ Penn out there for, for like eight losses in a row, you know, with, with, with no remorse. And, and we've seen some other guys be out there that maybe shouldn't have. What, what the hell's going on here? I mean, do you, do you respect the boss's comments? Like he's not wrong in theory, but I understand had at least showed you more in these recent fights. Yeah. He's one in seven in his last nine with a no contest, but he had at least shown you competence. I, I didn't love Dana in this spot. Just being like, this never should have happened, man. This is a disgrace. Yeah. I thought that he, um, you know, kind of reacted in the emotion of it all. You know, uh, he's very fond of these guys and it's guys that he really has an affinity for that he wants to protect. And I think that's where he was coming from. You know, he, he doesn't want to see guys that he truly cares about. He knows they're good guys to uh, go down the path where, you see them get knocked out over and over again and they lose, you know, it, they tarnish their legacy. And I think that's the kind of same sentiment that he gave Chuck Liddell when, when Chuck Liddell was kind of, you know, debating whether he should retire or not. You know, I think it's that, that strong, like, you know, you can't fight anymore. I think he felt like he needed to say that in order so Anderson doesn't, you know, build up any confidence in any, any words that he may use to say, you know, Dana, let me get one more fight. Well, speaking of one more fight, Rashad, let's break it down here. Anderson and the buildup said 
this will be my last UFC fight, but I still want to fight elsewhere. More or less, he said that in multiple interviews. Even in that post-fight interview he did with the crew um, outside the cage, it still felt like even though he's dealing with the realities that it's over, that maybe it's not over. Um, he's got one fight left on the UFC deal. What do you think the future brings? Can he get released and, and, and go somewhere else if he wants? Will he? What, what do you sort of, how'd you gauge that situation? It was a hard thing to gauge, to be honest, because, you know, just in one breath, he's like, I'm done, I'm finished, and this should be it. And then the next breath, he was like, I don't know. <laughs> so, uh, but, what, but what I do know is the fact that can he compete? Yeah, he can compete. I mean, Uriah's a tough guy, and he definitely pushed him to his limits, and he definitely, you know, had some moments in that fight and with lesser talent. He definitely probably could have won that fight, but there's the aspect that you can't take the punishment. At some point, somebody's going to hit you with something, no matter what organization that you are in, you're Anderson Silva, and everybody who's going to fight Anderson Silva is going to fight Anderson Silva like they're fighting him for the belt. So that makes guys who are just average in talent rise to the occasion and become way better than they have ever been. And that's a dangerous place for Anderson and Baby because he knows he's not competing against the best. And when you're competing down in competition, it's hard because that guy that's competing up has everything to gain from knocking you out. I'm, I'm You know, I'm filthy. You know my diet, Rashad. I, I don't have the 40-year-old abs like you do. Um, I, I, I'd watch him against Fedor under the Bellator banner. I You know, if he can find a soft landing... I don't know. I I should, I don't want to say it because it's going to end up him getting KO'd, and you don't want that for a guy you love. I love Anderson. He may have propositioned me and my wife for sex over email this time. <laughs> I'm not sure. We're gonna that's going to go down in history one day. We're gonna have to tell that story on a thirty for thirty if that was true. Although, thank you for the hair jelly send. This is Anderson Silva hair gel, right? Oh, okay. Um, Rashad, would you would you would you see him again? I mean, would you want to? Is there any like old guy versus old guy thing? No. Tell me to send me to hell, please. Would, would please. I would I watch him again? Of course I watch him. It's Anderson Silva, but at the same time, would I want to watch him again? No, I wouldn't want to watch him again. Just because like I have so much respect for him and I and I know I love his martial arts style and I love his ability and what he's done for the sport. And to be able to see seeing him get knocked out like that. Um, with, with punches where he just would have walked through before in his prime, you know, it's kind of disheartening. But at the same time, it, it's um, it's alarming to the point where it's like, okay, we we still have to have life after this whole fight thing. You know, after we chase our dreams and everything like that, we still need to have a life and we still need to pursue uh, health. You know, so he needs to think about those things when he's, you know, um, I guess trying to strap it on and go in there for another fight. Well, this is like a drug. You know, I can see that connection where. You know, he got stopped. He got beat, but he didn't get knocked like cold. And he had moments. Rashad, I thought there were certain windows in this fight. And this is kind of consistent with this Twilight of Anderson. Even in the Bisping fight, you're like, I see avenues where you could fish him, finish him if you step on the gas. I almost thought he had little windows in this fight where maybe he could have finished Uriah Hall if he put himself in more danger and, and stepped on the gas. And that becomes a problem, I have to believe, when he still thinks... I got it. I know I can beat these guys. You know, no one's beat me soundly. Well, they're going to. They're going to catch up to you. So I don't know. I'm not trying to get you in the cage with him. I'm not trying to do that. All right. Stop. It. Please stop. It. Okay. All right, Rashad. Uh, let's roll on. Look, uh, you were, we're going to get to, I'm going to get to Bryce Mitchell later in the show for any of you people saying, why aren't we talking about that? I, I got Rashad Evans right here. I've got a guy who may end up being in the coach of the year ballot here next to coach Latori Gonzalez, because you joined heavyweight, former NFL pro bowler, Greg Hardy's corner, along with Dean Thomas for another 
impressive showing against Maurice Green. Greg Hardy went out there. He got the stoppage against the King of Crochet. Uh, Rashad, update us on this. There was a lot of talk about the new team. You're part of the new team. What was the transition like for Hardy leaving ATT? And who is he officially? What gym is he with now? What's going on here? So we don't have a name to the gym. Um, what we've been, where we've been training at, we've been training in Tyrone Spung's. Uh, he, he has a gym at his, at his home. And that's what we've been trained. It's called the Lions Den. And it's been me, uh, Tyrone Spung, Frank Leister, Dean Thomas, uh, Gary, um, and, and Mike, uh, who was in the corner as well, too, does co uh, coaching as well. But that's, that's basically it. And what we did is we wanted to form a team around, um, uh, around, around Greg and just make it so that, you know, he's not in the team learning aspect. You know, sometimes what he was going through when he was at ATT was they put him in the team aspect. And when you're a guy who's coming from a completely different background, you need to have personal attention and you need to have guys go through every facet of the sport very slow up to your learning capacity and make sure you perfect every single facet before you progress. And that's something that's it, that he said he didn't have at ATT. And it's something that um, made him want to switch up and get other training. And once he's got other training, he started to realize that there's another level that he can rise to. But for Greg, I mean, he's so far behind the eight ball as far as just making sure that um, he he transitions well, um, just with the concepts, you know, a lot, a lot. He wasn't understanding fight concepts, you know. He was understanding how to do certain moves, but understanding how to do certain moves is not understanding the concept. And understanding the concept is understanding the why you're doing something. And when you understand the why you're doing something, you understand why it's working and why it's not working. So that's what we had to do with Greg, just kind of destruct his game and just really just bring, uh, uh, build him up on a cerebral level. Yeah, I think this was the best that he's looked so far from that standpoint. He looked a lot more confident. I uh, did look gassed. He was very gassed in the interview yeah. afterwards. Do you have any concern about that? I mean, he pretty much dominated this fight. I liked a lot of it, but do you think, uh, you know, there's levels still. Where What level is he at right now? Well, his, his gas tank is, is a bit of a problem right now, uh, but we're still getting under control. And a big part of that, the, the, um, the gas tank, is the fact that, you know, this guy's coming down from 300 pounds, and most of that weight, he's cutting it a week of the fight. You know, he had 25 pounds coming into fight week, and uh, I was nervous. I never seen anybody cut any weight like that. Like, you see guys who are smaller that are just masters at cutting weight. I just wasn't prepared to see someone so big and has no background in cutting weight, like not a wrestler, background, nothing like that. But Greg Hardy cuts weight like you wouldn't believe. He's a phenomenal weight cutter. But here's the problem with cutting weight. If you can get the fight over, great. But when it becomes a war of attrition, that's when it really kicks in. And that's what you've seen happening with him in that later on in the first round. You know, he started a grappling exchange and it worked his muscles. It worked that lactic, that lactic acid. And being able to flush the lactic acid out when you're cutting weight and when you're still kind of dry from cutting weight is a very hard thing to do and it makes you really tired. All right, let, let's address the elephant in the room here. Uh, people don't like Greg Hardy. All right, yeah. he's, got a, he's got a checkered past. Um, he became the first heavyweight to miss that 265 limit. He's had DQ losses in the UFC. He's had a no contest turned to a, or, or I'm sorry, a win turned to a no contest for an illegal inhaler. He's, he's sort of towed the line here. People want to see him lose. Tell us something good about Greg Hardy, though. Are, are we seeing a, a, an absolute focused war, war, you know, worker in the gym who, who wants to turn that name around? Yeah, he's, he's one of the sweetest guys I know, man. Like, he's like a, 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 like a big baby, I swear. He's just one of those guys who's just uh, 
super considerate, very, uh, very kind hearted guy. And just the total opposite of what many people would believe him as, you know, he's kind of guarded because, you know, he, he feels that people treat him a certain kind of way. And he feels, you know, he has to keep his head down and stuff like that. And he doesn't want to, um, he, he doesn't want to, you know, rouse any feathers or no, nothing like that. So he just kind of keeps his head down and just kind of, you know, um, you know, not try to get his uh, heart broken by by what people have to say about him. But, you know, there's a lot of things that's been coming out about that whole situation in that case that, you know, it, it puts that whole perspective in a different light. And that's a story that Greg is going to be able to tell pretty soon and tell it from a point of view where, where a lot of people would definitely look at what happened and see things from a different point of view. Well, I wish him well. I'd, I'd, I'd invest in a new nickname. Just my just my two cents here, all right? But uh, look, you know, his only legit loss was a step up against Alexander Volkov. And to his credit, you know, he he didn't get stopped. He didn't he didn't look horrible. He had moments uh, to close on the Hardy situation here. You're obviously you're you're one of his coaches, so I'm not going to try to put you in a bad light. But how soon before another real step up? I mean, are you seeing a guy who's not a project anymore that may be sort of a long term contender? Yeah, I think he's definitely a long term contender. You know, we just have to work on those few of those things. Um, just round out his game uh, and and his fight IQ. But uh, you know. I think he's ready for, for higher competition. I think he's ready to start knocking on the door of that top 10 and start really um, competing with those guys up there. I think when it comes to his explosive power, when it comes to just what he brings on a physical level, I think there's not a lot of uh, heavyweights that match that. You know, he's a phenomenal athlete and he hasn't even really unleashed some of the things that I've seen him do in training. You know, he's he does kicks and he has all kinds of crazy kicks that he does and he lands these kicks. It's just... He's a phenomenal athlete. It's just about getting him feeling comfortable enough and getting him believing that he's not going to gas. Because once you gas in a fight, it's the scariest thing in the world. And you never want that to happen again. So in your mind, you're always playing this. Am I, am I, am I gassing? Am I gassing? Am I breathing hard? And you kind of you fight with that pace. But once you free yourself and knowing you're not going to get gas then you can fight the way that you know how to fight. You know, we were doing nine rounds, nine five-minute rounds uh, steady before before this fight. And um, he was doing really good. Uh, he was killing in nine rounds. But just that weight cut was was not um, was not in his favor, and he was feeling a little bit tired. But that's something that we can go back to the drawing board. We're going to get his diet under control, and we're going to get him a really good strength and, pro, strength and uh, conditioning program to really help that out. All right, you know, maybe 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 get him a toad. You know, maybe there's there's, there's some introspection in there. there can, there's some healing there. Uh, uh, I've never had the fear of gas, like you're saying. I have had to crap my pants in public really bad a few times. Uh, no more on that. Hey, big news in the UFC. Let's get into it. You weren't the only celebrity inside the building at the Apex. It was UFC middleweight champion Israel Adesanya checking out the action. And after the fights, Dana White said, with a matter of fact, Rashad, Adesanya's next fight will be for the light heavyweight championship. No, not against John Jones. He vacated it. New champion Jan Blahowitz. Wow, Rashad, this is this is hashtag daring to be great. This is what we want out of our folks. Uh, your your reaction to this? Well, this is this is this is great, and uh, it kind of confused me though. On the post show, I was I was doing a post show, and we were we were kind of under the impression that he was saying John Jones just because of the magnitude of the scale he was trying to sell this fight. Not saying this isn't a big fight, but it is. Um, it's not what 
it, that's not that's not a fight that's gonna sell out Razor Stadium. I'm I'm sorry. You know what I'm saying? Izzy, Izzy's a bad dude and so is Jan, but it just doesn't have the hype to kind of do that thing. But to go back to what you're saying, it's a very interesting matchup. And what this does is it starts to bring Izzy, you know, to, to that level to, to where it's like, you know, the double champ status and where that legacy starts to creep in. And, um, you know, he starts to become one of those guys who now John Jones starts to chase. Well, John Jones fits into this discussion heavily here, Rashad. I did say uh, last month on this show when John and Izzy were going back and forth, hey, UFC, you want to make this John-Izzy fight even bigger than it already is or could be, uh, have Izzy go up and fight Blahowitz and have John go back and try to regain his belt if they met at 205 or have John go up to heavyweight and win that title and, and, and bring all those titles together. Look, there's big business ahead, but specifically where John Jones fits into this discussion, is this UFC matchmakers trying to force John into this fight in a way? Or I mean, I don't know, because John says he'll do it now. It's Adesanya who's saying maybe next summer. So where, what do you believe John Jones's role in all of this is? I, I could feel like it's a... It's a ploy to get him into this because if you're if you're going to have Izzy go win the title that John just gave up, I mean, it's, who's been sleeping in my bed, right? I mean, it's like that makes a lot of sense to drive John back in. What what's what, where's John going to be during this? Outside of pumping a shotgun in his driveway, where's he going to be during this? Well, I mean, I think John Jones is going to be you know trying to bump up, but at the same time, he's not going to be able to resist the allure of the attention that Izzy's going to get if he goes on there and he wins that belt. I mean, we already seen John Jones tweeting after Jan one talking about you guys want me to go back and get that belt. So he's not totally like sold on being a heavyweight. You know what I'm saying? And, and all he needs is a proper motivation. But here's here, here's the kicker, though. He goes up to heavyweight and he gains all that man weight. There's no way that he's going to be able to cut down a, a 205 and be the same 205 pounder that he was before. I mean, it, it will be. It will be hard. And I can't say never because this is a great John Jones, but that'd be a tall order for anybody to stack. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this this would drive John crazy, though, if Izzy beats him to the, the punch of becoming a champ champ before John had the chance. Uh, either way, it's going to end in a fight between the two. And UFC smart, Rashad, because if you want to build Izzy's... I mean, look, Izzy's not young either, right? He's, he's right in his prime in his early 30s. He had that long kickboxing career. But if you want him to be a uber star, you give him a chance to get that second belt. You put him in a fight where you, you show the highlights of Blahowitz knocking people out. There's real danger there. This could be one hell of a, a next year for this, this, uh, this storyline, this area. Well, speaking, Rashad, of booking big fights, Dana also said in the post-fight press conference that McGregor Poirier 2 is, quote, a done deal as far as I know, end quote. He also said there would not be a, a interim or vacant belt at stake, and then he backed that up talking to Brett Okamoto of ESPN, saying that Habib Nurmagomedov will not be stripped of the lightweight title anytime soon, despite announcing his retirement, and went on to say, quote, I get the feeling he will seek 30-0. and 0. Wow, Rashad. Um, here's the deal on this. We, we talked about this the other day, but I want to get your take. Dana's now saying this a lot, saying Habib and I are talking. I think he wants to come back for another. We haven't heard this from Habib yet. Do, do, do you believe this? You believe given the the oath, given the conviction that Habib said, I promised my mom and my late father? What's going on here? Well, it's, it's a hard thing to call, you know, because, you know, Habib, um, the connection with him and his father, 
was 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 beyond uh, words, and it's something that you know he he values uh, beyond words in itself. So I think that you know his dad wanted him to get thirty and zero. He his dad always wanted him to get thirty and zero. So I don't know if that word of wanting him to get 30, 30 and 0 supersedes the word of his mom saying, maybe we shouldn't do this because your dad is not there anymore, you know? So it, it, it all depends on where, where Habib is, where, where Habib is at. But I, I see that Habib is still training. He's tra- training with a bunch of guys, still getting them ready. And you start training with a bunch of guys and you're still in shape and you know, you're in your prime. It's just a matter of time before you're going to get in a fight because you're in fight shape, you know, and you know that you're competing with guys who are getting ready for the fight and you know you're still sharp. So you know that the competition really can't touch you. You know you he's going to he's going to want to get back in there. He's definitely going to get back in there. And um well, look, I have to believe if, if this is still part of honoring his father, be, meaning that his late father said 30 and 0 is I want you to walk away on top. GSP was a big part of that conversation, Rashad. So this is where I think Dana and company can have their cake and eat it too. You announced that Habib will come back for one more. It will be against GSP, but here's the kicker. Don't put the damn title at stake, all right? Don't make GSP cut all the way down. Let this be a, a catchweight or, you know, 165, whatever fight, and bill it as the winner is is maybe the GOAT, which would piss off John Jones even more, and then... McGregor Poirier too, you can sort of last minute put a title on there. And I think however this plays out, this is great news for uh, UFC pay-per-view buys. And this is great news for us fans to see Conor McGregor getting back in line officially and saying, you know, I want to compete against the best again. I'm not doing the, the circus fights. And look, Conor did have a, uh, a run of taking questions on Twitter yesterday where he still wants the Nate trilogy. He was willing to rematch Holloway. He respects Habib. A lot of developments there. But him coming back and fighting freaking Dustin Poirier and coming out and saying, I'm going to knock him out faster than I did at featherweight. This is a real-ass fight, Rashad. I do not believe under any circumstances that when these two do touch gloves, it looks like it's going to be January from the talk you hear, that there won't be some level of a title at stake. Interim, vacant, whatever. This is a big-ass fight. I don't see them doing it pay-per-view main event with nothing there. No, I don't see it either. You know, And here's the thing, though. What Conor McGregor showed me after watching what Habib did to Justin Gaethje, he showed me that he is one of the best to do it. That's what he showed me. Listen, I don't like to give Conor props because, you know, Conor (laughs) Conor can be crazy sometimes. But you got to give props where props is due. Like, what Conor showed in that fight with Habib, in in, in hindsight, based off of what you see, what what, what Habib has done to everybody else, is that he shows that he he's definitely one of the best guys in, 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 to to do it in, in the weight class. You know what I'm saying? Being we, able to we don't see we don't see Connor getting the respect that you're giving him right now. This is interesting. I, I know, but th- that's the thing about it. Like to be able to see what Habib did with Justin Gaethje, a guy who wrestled his whole entire life, and make short work out of him on the grappling aspect, and to see Conor McGregor get taken down multiple times, but not only get taken down, gotten up got up, made it hard for Habib to hold him down. And that's just something that people just don't do with Habib. Once you get taken down once, it's a wrap because even if you do get back up to your feet, you are a different fighter when you get back up to your feet. And, and that wasn't the case with Conor. He kept getting back up, kept getting back up. And he even won a round after he'd been taken down multiple times. So that should show a lot of people how good Conor McGregor truly is. 
Uh, well, you know, it all goes back to me to that Cerrone fight. Did we see the right washed opponent at the right time who we got out of there? Or did we see a guy who, I mean, look, he more or less said it, Rashad. When Connor was describing the build to the Habib fight, he said, yes, I was in shape. But he said, I wasn't training the way I should have been. I was partying. Without saying the booger sugar, he almost sort of said it, Rashad, okay? But somebody's <laughs> got to come out and say it. He basically is telling you that he was just kind of rock star partying and his confidence level was through the roof. And he got humbled, although, to your point, did better than Poirier did, did better than Gaethje did. Uh, to a degree, although I don't think anyone's giving Gaethje credit for those leg strikes, by the way. Uh, Habib, Habib seemed one more away from getting getting uh, packed up there. But um, if that win against C- Cowboy was was not fool's gold, if that was an idea of what he could look like again, if he's dialed in and he's ready to go, Connor, Connor's going to be a force again. People don't want to hear that. Luke's right. You, people either love this guy and he can't do wrong or they hate the shit out of him. I'm trying to live in the middle here, Rashad. I got my red panty night poster behind me, but I'm trying to live in the moment here. Uh, it's going to be fun. This is going to be fun. Man. Connor is definitely a force, and, and and anybody who goes back and you look at the film, the fight that he did with Habib, and understand the pressure that Habib brings and seeing what he's done to other people cannot deny what Connor McGregor can bring to a fight. Yeah. Y'all can't deny it. Fabulous. Indeed. Uh, Rashad Evans, thank you for your time and service on the MK today. Always a happy smile and face for the donks in this universe here. We appreciate that. Follow him at sugar Rashad Evans on all kinds of social medias. Uh, and you know, stay in the gym cause you never know Rashad. Okay? Never know. Never know. <laughs> never know. Thank you, my friend. Thank you. All righty then. Uh, Hey, hope Luke Thomas is doing well, wherever he is. Look, people, People, even Luke gets it wrong sometimes. He thinks I'm against him. He thinks, come on, Leb, come on. People think Luke hates me. I mean, come on. We're, we're in this game together, all right? It's a marriage, all right? All right? Things happen in a marriage, okay? I love Luke Thomas. Best of luck today, Luke, okay? Um, in fact, I will give you a Marine salute, okay? Um, woo-ha! Got you all in check, all right? Thank you. Thank you. Okay. Jason, are you there, Jason? Jay, are you there? Jay, yes. well, live from the haunted house basement. Jay, how are we holding up today without Luke? Uh, seems that everything's going well, so maybe we won't invite him back next week. I don't know. I'll have to talk to some people. Jay, could you speak to the tech issues lately that's been crippling this show? I mean, it's kind of on brand for Luke, but some of our listeners and viewers get a little worried here. Is the is the ship sinking? What's going on? No, no, we seem to be floating uh, just perfectly today. We brought in people from, uh, you know, I don't know, wherever they are. Oklahoma, uh, North Dakota. I mean, uh, we Rafe's did all that. From De- he's, he's live and direct from Detroit, all right? Thank yeah, you. North Dakota, like I yes. said. Right. Okay. Yes. All right, Jay. That was uh, Jay, by the way, uh, I, I did want to hit you up real quick here. You, uh, Uriah Hall was your sensei, and we're only yes, talking about Anderson Silva losing here. How about Uriah Hall winning? Were you happy for the man you once hit a spinning kick on and dropped? It was a spinning back kick. Uh, didn't drop him, though. Uh, yeah, no, he, uh, he was in full control of that fight. I, uh, I, I don't think that... Uh, so let's a chance at any point. Oh, okay. he, he looked good. Uriah looked good. All right. Wait right. for his moment. For One more shot. of Jay, check out Back in Time on Hulu yeah, today. That's right. Thank you. That's All right. Let's get into these yeah. DMs, Jason. Okay. Thank you, sir. Thank you. It's donk. Let's. It's donk. Then. All right. DMs from the donks, people. Um, hey, a lot of people asking me again. There are people that are coming in late to this family and they don't know the drill. Here's how you get your DM on DM for donks. Sunday nights on the Instagram account at Morning Combat, we put out the 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 thing. 
respond respond to that thing okay and then we will pick the best of the best here so let's play it up here let's let's go first one let's do it yeah it's solo bc at chamoy at 07 i think at chlamydia got it got it well not not, not me but had it no just, just kidding uh how did you score davis santa cruz fight before the knockout and why would leo throw the exact same lazy three punches in a row at the end of the fight completely lost focus that was too easy to counter all right let's talk about this all three judges had it 48 47 for Gervonta at the time of the stoppage just exactly how i had it three rounds to two i felt that there were some close rounds early um you know all three judges gave leo one and two by the way but it was that adjustment in round three and four when davis started going to the body you saw that leo was trying to show his best poker face but he was getting hit he was getting hurt it started to feel a little bit inevitable because look leo he can fight defensive in box he did that against frampton but we know his M.O. He comes in there punches and bunches. He wants to fight. And I think Gervonta succeeded at cutting off the ring and putting him in in fight-or-flight situations where he couldn't get away with his jab and distance. He had to fight. So that finishing sequence may have looked upon replay as, God, why is Leo throwing three straight lead rights and setting himself up for this left uppercut? Well, look, that first lead right snapped Gervonta's head back. Also, you got a guy in Leo who the accumulation of the body shots started to slow him down. He got cornered against a big puncher, and I think he just went to the well one too many times with that right hand, and he got sent to the, the bottom, the basement. I mean, that's one of the most vicious knockouts where afterwards you had a Pacquiao-Marquez 4-type moment. Uh, by the way, I'll never forget those 55 seconds from 2012 when Pacquiao's face down and out. They show Bob Arum. They show Jinky Pacquiao, Manny's wife, crying. You're like, I think he's dead. Like all, you know, I think he's dead. I mean, like I'm not fooling around, not trying to be dramatic. This was not as scary, but it was scary for a good 10, 20 seconds. Uh, That was brutal. But look, Leo is the type of guy who comes to win. And I love it in a big fight, even if the odds are against someone. When they pour out the damn jug, they come to win it. They don't come to try to win. Here's what a lot of people do on the pay-per-view level. They come to try to win. Think of people like... Robert Guerrero against Floyd Mayweather. Somebody like that. We're like, okay, I'm going to try my best to get Floyd into the fight. I want to. What happens is you realize you can't. And so some people just go into autopilot and go, you know what? I'm going to get paid. I'm going to lose. And I'm not saying that's necessarily Guerrero. I mean, like he tried his best, but he was out of that fight in round two. And then there's people like Leo who had more success than these scenarios I'm creating, but also is a Mexican-American proud warrior and is like, I'm going to try to win this fight. And again, to his credit, he just snapped Gervonta's head back before he got caught there. Um, I got no problems with the performance of Leo. In fact, I, I applaud him. I think in a weird way, his stock goes up. I mean, he got served, right? He got, he, got, he got drilled, but I think he showed well. He was fighting over his head at a higher weight, and uh, he's a legend. Leo is an absolute legend. I was happy he got... Uh, I was happy he was okay. I was happy he also got this big payday in this big moment. He deserved it. Jay, hit me with what's next here. From at Telvin Kipapa. Yes, Telvin Kipapa. Wow, all right. With Thug Nasty getting his camo shorts, do you see UFC giving other fighters cool designs? Now, he's talking about Bryce Mitchell, who was in the co-main event of the Anderson Silva card on Saturday and got a unanimous decision over Andre Feely in what I thought was a really good performance from Bryce Mitchell. Let's let's stay on this for a second because we didn't hit this up. Uh, Bryce Mitchell's legit, and I saw some people on Twitter going, 
eh, he was a little bit too uh, happy to take the guy down and not land a lot of shots. Look, Bryce Mitchell against, you know, B-level guys can give you spectacular submissions and can be just up the ass the whole damn time. I mean, just on you. This was a step up. And even under the grounds of this step up, dude, he he dominated Feely with his wrestling. I got no problem with the way he used it. I thought he was offensive enough. I thought on the feet he gave as good as he took. And it has to show you UFC's belief in him that after he, you know, petitioned for a while for Reebok to not just give him the generic shorts, but put some kind of creative design. I love that they did it. They did the hunting camo look. It looked pretty badass. And yes, I do hope that this is the beginning. I know that uh, the UFC deals not long with Reebok. We've already known that Venom is going to take over after that. I'm not full on Luke Thomas that I want to go back to the days of like, dynamic fasteners across the crotch and dude wipes across the leg. And like, it looks triple a baseball to me. And I know that the argument is about the lack of money for the fighters. I'm not saying take away for, I'm, I'm saying let's do the venom or Reebok deal and give them the, the same amount of money they used to, if possible, or, or some type of middle ground. I'm just saying, I typically do actually like the uniformity shout out to Reebok here. I buy your t-shirts for $4 when they go on clearance. Um, I do like the uniformity of the look, but I do think there is room for, for some creativity and some specific, uh, you know, I mean, this Bryce Mitchell who went on a like a ten minute anti mask uh, <laughs> rant after the win. <laughs> shout out to Arkansas, um, you know, this this fits him. There's other people. Uh, I don't know. I mean, what are we gonna put a a, li- a lioness on Amanda Nunes? Sure, sure, do that, do that stuff. Okay. I'd rather have that. I'd rather have the ability for a fighter to design certain elements than going full back on in your face, South Coast Mitsubishi right on your ass cheek. I don't need that anymore. I don't need a goldenpalace.com tattoo on your back, uh, Rico Rodriguez. Okay, that's it for me. Let's go to the next one, Jay. From at Emilio Bruce underscore. Wow. Somebody wonder who the first Emilio Bruce was. He said, did you see Asa Ikara's segment on IGTV called Just the Tip? So this man is speaking of a uh, female adult star. And uh, Jay, can we bring you in right here? Uh, is he trying to say that that Asa, Asai is uh, is stealing a little thunder from us here? Uh, I believe that is the uh, intention Jay? of the question. Yes. No? Yes, it is. Jay? Yeah, yeah, it All is. Right, that's the are. intention, indeed. Okay, uh, Jay, I don't, th- I don't think that's the case, though, because, like, didn't we steal just the tip from old school? Tip uh, on tip, you know? I mean, if you're trying to give up your originality, I thought we had put in a copyright request, and that was pending, so, uh, you know. Are you serious about that, or are you joking? No, I, I'm, I completely made okay. that. Okay, well, look, shout-out to anybody, all right? All right, shout-out. Like, I saw uh, Kaposa on Twitter, grab me, hit Hitman Gravaka is put, is kind of starting his own kind of have you seen this shit type segment on a different podcast. More power to you, bro. Hitman Gravaka is the guy who fills us with all the spinny knockouts from around the world for H. Look, nobody's original, Jay. Okay, Jay, you're a, you're a songwriter, right? Well, uh, yeah. There's only seven notes, you know, and you can just you can only play them and you, you know, know Keith so Richards had it right. Keith Richards is like I'm gonna do meth and shit my whole life and never die so that was right shout out to him but he yeah. also was like i don't like guitar solos because everything's already been done every song is a derivative of something else just go out there be yourself write your shit do it so 
it's all mm, good, right? Yeah, I'm thinking it's probably because he couldn't play any good ones, but uh, it's fine because the oh, drugs. Oh, yeah, okay, women. okay, sorry. Sorry, I should have referenced Nickelback's guitarist. Sorry, Jay. He's right. very good. Chad Kroger, great soloist, by yeah, the way. Yeah, thank you, Jay. Okay, oh. let's go to the next one, Jay. Thank you. I'm, I'm already trolling the audience enough. Um, from at C. Phila, C. P. Hilla, C. Phila, Cephala, Cephala, Cephala. Uh, what if Joe Biden wins the election with no controversy? It is election week. Uh, then Colby Covington does a complete 180 and turns into a Biden mascot to stay relevant. Wouldn't that be absolutely hilarious? Now, we hit this up as our Wednesday deep dive about three weeks ago, a, a deep discussion on how important the election is to Colby Covington's gimmick. And look, I, I do believe there's a couple ways he could lean here. If Biden wins, he could go full on pro wrestling heel turn Biden forever and whatever. He could also stay full on Trump. The con- the country's gone to shit. And here's, I'll tell you why. And he's still going to have middle America on his, you know, pulling for him. He could also just drop the political and just be a straight up troll against all fighters and get boomerangs thrown at him. I think either way he does it, um, you know, he's good at getting what we call in the pro wrestling game, not just heat. He is people hating you, people wanting to see you because they hate you, they want to boo you. He has something called X-Pac heat. It's go-away heat. He just makes you cringe so bad that just like, get him off the damn screen already, all right? Um, he's going to have X-Pac heat probably no matter how he, he, he gimmicks it up. So it will be interesting to see how he pivots, how he adjusts based on the election. Um, I don't think Nader's going to win this election. Is Nader running, Jay? Jay, can we bring you back in? Is, is uh, I voted for Ralph Nader in 2000. Is he running this year? Uh, no, but if you don't like any of the candidates, you can feel free to write him in and uh, maybe get something going with that. All right, all right. You know, my, my your grandparents died in the war, Jay, so that I don't have to vote if I don't want to, okay? My grandparents died uh, in the early 2000s, honestly. All right, all right. Yeah. Thank you, thank you. You got any gone. more of these? Got any more of these? Yeah, uh, we do. We, have, uh, we got one brain more. Brain teasers? You know, what do you got here? From at St. John underscore CA, are you donks excited for Moonbase 8? It strikes me as something you would like. For anyone that doesn't know, uh, Luke and I just read a, a a promo for it. Showtime debuting this this uh, Sunday, this Saturday. This uh, Jay, you got the info at all? Uh, Matt? Uh, all right, this weekend at 11 p.m. Eastern. I believe it's Sunday night. Uh, Showtime debuting Moonbase Eight. Uh, look, I, I caught up on the on the trailer here. This looks like some funny shit. We got John C. Riley in there. We got Fred Armisen, a uh, guy I love a lot. This almost feels like a sort of goofy modern spies like us type vibe of some um, backwards ass NASA guys who are failures who are just looking to get their dream of going to the moon. Uh, the trailer looks hilarious. I am pretty fired up. It debuts Sunday night, 11 p.m. Eastern on the Showtimes. Uh, yeah. They can they can get it for 30 days for free. You can you you know you can get your your sand ready just in case, but give it 30 days, bro. Right? Yes. Uh, real quick, uh, didn't they already do this show on Netflix with Steve Carell? I, I I don't have that answer, Jay. But Jay, we're Showtime employees here. I mean, yeah, no, it's a great. It looks really good. I, it's I great saw show. the trailer it's great show. on yeah. mute. It seems like it'll be. Got any Pat Tillman jokes? All right, all right, Jay. Uh, <laughs> we, we done with this crap, Jay. We got a special guest on. Have you seen this shit today? I'm very excited to uh, to bring that out. Yeah, oh, there it is. There it is. So here's what we do, guys. You already know this. Uh, we scour the globe, the good and bad, the highs and lows, the good, the bad, the ugly, all that, in combat sports and beyond. It is Have You Seen This Shit? No Luke Thomas. Rafe and Rashad have already been here. 
So I'm going to troll the people. Jay Aron is here. Jason, wow, welcome. Welcome to the I show. Made it, I made it to the, the medium box. Not quite the big box, but the, the medium box. So yes, is that, box. A, is that a shadow of a guitar right there in your basement? It is. It's an actual guitar. You can kind of see it. It's You can see like the like the tip, just the tip. Uh, What's your axe of choice here, Jay? Uh, that is a PRS hollow body, too. Oh, Paul yeah. Reed Smith. All right, yes, Jason. Yeah. All right. Hey, Jay, uh, you got a lot to live up to because Luke is ready to really excommunicate you from being on the show. All right. Uh, yeah, it's been going on for about 53 episodes. Yeah. All right. Here we go. Hey, let's start off with this. A late edition in Albuquerque. John Jones, by the way, had his outdoor cam on and caught an intruder. That's who you see there going up against John Jones's vehicles, trying to pick the lock, open the door, all that. The dogs are barking. John has been alerted. And here's how this man responds, Jay. You'll see the garage door open in a second, and you'll see him grab a shotgun and come running. Uh, Jay, he must protect this house, brother. Uh, I can't disagree, although uh, John already hates Luke, so I'm just going to remain quiet as this is my uh, first foray into well, John you know, you Jones. Videos. You can argue here. John's done a lot of crazy stuff. He doesn't typically run from fights unless they happen in an Albuquerque intersection with a pregnant woman. But uh, right, right. look at this guy coming out. John went on to post this video on Instagram. Wow. Wow. He said he went. He caught the guy. He went up to the guy's car. He put the gun against the window. He scared him. Um, this is taking matters into your own hands, Jay. Do you have this type of surveillance at your uh, New Jersey Palace? I do. I do have this type of surveillance. Uh, I live in New York, and uh, guns aren't legal here. So, uh, you know. Not, oh, yeah. Pa yeah. Plexico Burst. You will not be catching that. me run out of the garage with uh, a rifle or a shotgun. Although I'm very impressed with the speed. You notice the speed as he comes out of the garage? He was moving. Well, he's a he's a world-class athlete. I don't know if you know yeah. that. Also, uh, Puff Daddy and Shine taught us the whole New York City gun thing, along with Plexico Burris. Uh, let's, yes, get into, uh, let's get into UFC Vegas here, Jay, all right? I think well, we shall. Uh, middleweight Kevin Holland's having a hell of a year. Check out this slam he hit Charlie Onoveros with for the TKO. It got a little scary, though, Jay, because they had to bring Onoveros out on his stretcher. It turns out he's okay in the end, but this was a uh, interesting way to finish him. Uh, it was. Do you do you find that his hair is reminiscent to the wig that Khabib wears? Like, like he dyed his hair Khabib wig. Yeah, I mean the the K silent. It's hobby, but uh, yeah, it it is kind of weird. Well, it's probably like Khabib. Jay, like I that. have seen video of you appearing on an MTV show in the early 2000s with that exact hair that Charlie Ontiveros has. Uh, well, he's a he's a lighter blonde. Mine's a little more of the orangey blonde. Yeah, you had the blonde tips just for a second, just to see how they Justin, fell. Uh, so here's Justin the deal on Holland. Uh, he's looking to be real. He's 4-0 and in 2020. He wants to fight again. And here's him after the victory, Jay, if you can hit the button. John it up with Israel Adesanya, quote, stop playing with me, boy. Uh, should Izzy take this threat seriously, Jay? Uh, no. no, he's, no. Yeah. I mean, he could take him. I don't know if he should take him very seriously. All right. Check out the shirt Isn't on Izzy. is funny, right though, when there's no crowd and they just bring in, like, one guy so everybody can troll him, like, like how they did. I mean, yeah. Yeah, you don't that's... find the humor in that? Yeah, they, I'm still getting over Adesanya's shirt right there. All right, uh, also on this undercard, check out the three-piece that Alexander Hernandez puts on Chris Grutzemacher, sending him to hell in round one. Look at this. There were a lot of round one knockouts Saturday night on, on both sides, by the way. And this is, you see the twitching? I like the twitching. Yeah, well, I, if, if you're going to get a death, if you're going to catch a body in the cage, I, I like to see it moving a little bit as, as, it, as, it, as it dies out. Thank you, Jay. Uh, Jay, you ever catch anybody like this? At, what gym was that that you and Uriah Hall? Uh, that would be Tiger, Tiger Shulman's karate. 
which used to be the laughing stock of things until they sent a bunch of guys up to the UFC. Fairly famous. All right, let's roll on to uh, Las Vegas Top Rank Boxing on the Anuwe undercard. Check out Gerald Big Baby Anderson coming out as Chucky for Halloween. Jay, I'm into this, bro. Well played. Very well played. Halloween costumes on Halloween. I like it. Uh, a lot of people are scared of this. A lot yeah. Of are very petrified could, of this. I could but do I for it. less people calling themselves Big Baby these days, but uh, this is uh, very yes, yes. well done. Although, Jay, by the way, uh, I, the answer to your previous question was yes, I did break a guy's nose sparring once. We'll get Uriah Hall in here and we'll get to the bottom of this. Oh, he can um, confirm it. It was his best friend. Uh, you're making me crazy there with these stories, Jay. Um, these are good stories. Jay, do you did you dress up for Halloween this year? Did you get people at your at your house? I did. I dressed up as a man uh, nearly middle-aged who had nothing to do and was sitting on the couch watching television all night. It was a very complex costume. It included yes. a pair of shorts, a t-shirt, and a Dallas Cowboys All right, blanket. all right. Yeah. You were the lead singer of a tribe called Aaron. I get it. Okay. <laughs> hey, let's go to Bellator 250 on Thursday night. Saba Homasi sending Bobby Volker. Oh, the basement of hell. Oh, good night. Was he on the way out? Was he on the way out when he first got Like, was he out there? Oh, God, that jumping knee so flush on the Adam's apple. Good. You gotta love the flying knees. I love the flying knees. Oh. Back in your jujutes days, yes, as a, uh, yes. yes. In your Tiger Shulman day, shout it out. Okay, uh, let's go to the zone boxing on Friday. Here's middleweight Jaime Munguia getting a stoppage on Toriano Johnson in their absolute war. Did you see the close-up here, Jay? How bad's this cut as cuts go from the uppercut? Look at the lip. Look at the close-up on that. I think I, uh, I think I could see his balls. <laughs> they, were, oh, that's gross. they were weird. That's Do you see that? Are we going to get the right view on this? That's disgusting. That's, mm-hmm. he yeah, that's not good. Jay, he parted him like the Red oh, Sea. Geez. Oh, jeez. Oh, God. God. Mm. Oh, this looks, like oh. A, this looks like a bad adult film, right? That is you like old. the doctor spreading it. Like, why are we spreading it? Don't spread it. Oh, Can we make a rule that they can't show that? Is there like shrapnel some, in there? Some of, the, some of the eye ones, like the eye we don't need to. We don't need to see that. All right, it we just, also had just, boxing in uh, Mexico this weekend. I think this took place in a in a restaurant of all places, but check him out. Thomas Cornflake Lamana, Showbox veteran, the junior middleweight with the one-punch KO. Jay, if you were a pro fighter, I could see Cornflake Jason Aaron. That, that's that's a suitable nickname. Cornflake, that would be suitable. You know, I was trying to watch a knockout, but I was mesmerized by the banner rotating in the background, uh, seeing the ads. I think one was for a taco uh here, there's there's cross training. Wait for the next one. There it is, Shay's Burrow. That's got to be some taco stand somewhere, right? Oh yeah. No. Oh yeah. Yeah. Shout yeah. out. This I don't know classy. where that is, but that's very classy. classy. Very All right, classy. let's just get drunk already. That's what people come here, Jay. They want to see uh, people not. do things. Well, All right. That and the dongs. But uh, here, here's here's a drunk guy who's looking to take a little to on the fence. <laughs> oh, good night. Good night. Oh, one, two, three, and. I mean, look at the structure. You had to see that. By coming. the way, what are the chances that all three were loose like that? I mean, he had to go through three boards before he literally went into the depths. Dude, that's a KO. I mean, look, we've taken some drunken fall. Here's the thing. If you take a vicious fall drunk, you tend to just bounce back like nothing happened, Jay. Also, I... that like you see a little grass down there, but I think that's concrete. I think that's legitimate straight concrete. Well, I one time was sitting on a railing of like a stairwell, and I fell backwards and hit the back of my head on the stairs, and then bounced down another eight steps. Got up like nothing happened. Jay was pissed drunk from a bush like keg. I'm I'm pretty sure it's had its lingering uh, long term effects, but um, I know what you're saying. You okay, know? all right, hey. Spring. 
let's yeah. check in on some drunk chicks. This was uh, pre-COVID at Wrigley Field. You, you try to get them together. There, there's a short window to take that selfie. Oh, God. <laughs> I think this would be the moment uh, where Luke points out that they're white. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well done. That would be. I would definitely party right with these three. Now. Well done. All right. Uh, Jay, you know the old saying, hell hath no fury like two scorned drunk women who can't stand outside of a bar. What is, Jay, look, read, the, read the room. What is going on here? Oh, geez. Uh, fairly certain he slept with both of them. Yeah, yeah, probably at the same time. And they just realized <laughs> about, this. Yeah. About 30 seconds before they turned the camera on. Yeah. <laughs> he came uh, with one, met the other one in the bathroom, and, well. I don't know if you realize they're all white. Sorry. Uh, yeah, indeed, yeah. indeed. And the and the bouncer. And the All bouncer. right. Uh Jay, you know drinking legend um Ronnie Deutsch that we feature on the show here? I almost was gonna say Donnie Deutsch. He's a different guy. He's a different a guy. He's different a different reason. Deutsch bag. Yeah. Uh we got an up and comer here. He calls himself Daddy Dan at Daddy Dan Does It on IG. I'm not gonna say I love him because I question his his motives and, and his operandi here, but um check out this Halloween concoction that he uh like jay i don't really know like so okay so he's got the bullet out he made a little uh right, shake right. there right a little a little shake. we got the oh fire whenever you start with the fireball it's uh doesn't end well what's in that clear bottle vodka yes that's smirnoff it looks like okay that's a, that's a we, pumpkin a pumpkin turned into i thought it was a bong but apparently it's like a like a funnel here yeah it's well played on the props I mean, look, the Halloween costume's on point, but we're getting crazy here. Look, this is a shotgun with oh a, a double barrel. This is not safe. Look, you, you, strawberry. Jay, this is not sustainable. You're gonna no die. No man, no man should consume that amount of fireball. So I've in seen a, night, a lot of in a night, let alone a chunk. Yeah, I've seen a lot of twenty-somethings that are trying to be the next Ronnie Deutsch. This is not sustainable. Look at that face. Look at this is like he's not okay. No, this is not good. See, Ronnie Deutsch is old school. He's like, just give me the six beers and I'll drink them as fast as I can. He's got a hot chick in the background. This is like, um, I'm, I really need attention. And he'll, he'll this, is, this doesn't end well. Can we get, do you have video of the uh, bathroom about three minutes after this video? <laughs> I'm getting a hangover just watching this. All right, I don't let's, know. Let's, oh, yeah. That, the fireball with the hang. Yeah, forget it. That's, this is not. This like is, you said, not yeah. sustainable. All right, let's no. go to uh, this little accident here. Uh, we're grilling on the back deck. The kid's got a bottle oh, of water. Oh, jeez. Oh, God, the kid's got the spray gun. <laughs> First of all, shame on you, Dad, because you know that thing was filled with lighter fluid, and it's, like, funny, but he's got the kid. In it. Oh, jeez. Jay, I could see that your kid's doing this to you to get revenge. Uh, Probably one day, yeah. Probably. Although I have the pellet grill, no fire, just smoke, you know? Really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I mean, there's fire in a pot underneath, but it never touches the food, so this wouldn't happen. Do you grill burgers, or is that anti-tribe? Uh, no, we definitely grill burgers. You know, beef burgers. Beef oh, burgers. beef burgers. Okay. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's well done. All right. Wait, hey, who, who eats a burger that's not beef? What, what kind of burgers my, do you my, eat? My wife and kids eat veggie burgers, turkey burgers. It's, I don't know. It's just, but no pork burgers. That's not. I don't I mean, know. Depending on where you live. Okay, you never know. No, okay. Yeah, I suppose, you know. Hey Jay, Asia. we know that you you're you're a sporty guy. You drive a Tesla. You do. This is true. Yeah. Tesla. You drive. You, do you, there's does an it, S. There's an S in there, by the way. There's I know, no but does Z. it come with a a phone call from Elon Musk and a hando? I mean, what are we getting here in this? Uh, uh, just a phone call. No. Do you enter the car Dukes of Hazard style like this gentleman? You could tell he just got digits from a lady, 
And look how excited he is. Wow. The flexibility on that is, is, is phenomenal. I'm, that's practice. Look at the form and technique on there. I would break something in my pelvic region. If yeah, I, I think I, that yeah, that's uh wow. Wow. Well no. done right there. Uh, let's move on to dad of the year here. Uh, Jay, you've had a few moments like this in parenthood. Oh, oh God. God. <laughs> that kid Yikes. got folded up like a pretzel. All right. Oh, um, oh it yeah. gets bad as he continues rolling and then it gives, oh, no. No, no, no. Uh, Jay, we already awarded uh, Halloween of the year to the guy who, who who dressed up as Predator with that red dong. But check out this Halloween hockey recreation of the skeletal miracle on ice in somebody's front yard. This is dedicated, bro. This I mean, is very impressive. They got the jerseys with the last names on it. This is Micah Ruzioni scoring the winning goal. This is. Although, can we call this what it is? If this was your neighbor, you would hate this guy. Yeah. Is that Herb Herb Brooks? Was that the coach's name? Herb something, right? Yes. yes. Herb Albert in the Tijuana Brass. Yeah. That's a. Uh, that's a lot of skeletons in your closet there. By the way, year. look on the look on the back right as they have like the Russian fan with the with the uh, the babushka whatever with the <laughs> with the Habib with the hat. hat. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that that part's kind of well played. All right. Uh, Jay, people think we only celebrate fails on here. Here's a redemption shot. You remember that large African-American man who was ill-advised on trying to hit the skateboard ramp and do a flip? Indeed. And we, you know, we all laughed as he broke multiple bones. He got back on the scooter, Jay. Yes! Yes! Check it out, bro! You know, with the reaction, you have to assume this came after he uh, completely broke his face. But what are the chances this happened first? No, no. You think Chubb Rock hit it the first time and then, then it like, fell yeah, apart? I'll go one more. No, I, I shout out to this guy. Because, look, this you wouldn't guess this was his sport of choice, right? No, this is highly impressive, by the but, way. But, you know, he broke molds and stereotypes, and he came out here and he sold out. This is Leo Santa Cruz risking it all, all right? And, by the way, rest in peace to that Razor scooter. Uh, I don't own one, but I would imagine the weight limit on the box <laughs> is being exceeded right now. Jay, this clip is a lot like your history on air on this show, right? You know, you you... you you crashed a few times, but you're making a big comeback today, okay? I'm trying. Okay. I'm trying. All right. Uh, let's next? move on. Jay, you know, here's the deal on this show. People, I love our fans, but you know what they do? They 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 they, they, they join our family halfway through, and they're like, hey, BC, here's 17 videos, but they send me videos that have already been on, right? Like, I, you know, like yeah. I'm like, have you seen this shit on, like, episode six? We played it, all right, bro? I think we played this one before, but I have to put it back up there because look at the unit on that guy, Jay. Whoever was the artist in this gymnastics <laughs> gym, I mean, it's a little too lifelike, oh, right? Man. It took me a second to get it. I, I, I looked, and then I don't think we've done this one. Uh, I know that because I've, I've done all these shows, and I've never seen this before. I mean, so that this is, is new. Just... This is indeed new. If that was my elementary school, somebody would have gone up there and drawn legs underneath, so it really points Not out. Not legs. Just little squirt, little squirts coming out, yeah. like, to the right. Uh, somebody sent oh, me a, a, win. a pre-COVID a win. look at the UFC crowd. You know I'm always looking for the just next Just Bleed guy. We had the, the Just Cut It director guy who wants to kill us. Check out this dude in the background, Jay. He's, he brought – Jay, you ever bring – Shout your... out. Those are, those are authentic. They have the UFC logo and everything. I mean, that is – that is well planned out, well played. Look, I think it's embarrassing if you, even if you have kids, if you show up to like a Mets game with your glove, with your freaking outfield glove, 
hoping to catch a foul. But like, dude, like that's like a, like there's an age limit. That's like 13 is the oldest you can do that. Wait, maybe, hold maybe on. 15. With, with your kids or without your kids? I mean, with your kids, it's questionable, right? I mean. Because I'm definitely in the club. Okay, but if you're an adult male <laughs> going to the UFC fight and you're. No, that's. Uh, that's yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, you think yeah. he bought those in a gift shop and, and then put them on, or that was pre planned, came with them from home? I don't know, but he is dialed in. He's looking to get a contract. Dana White looking for a fight. He Look, you found it right here. This guy's the next contender. I love that. Over, man. under, how long it took. Uh, from when he got to the parking lot until somebody beat his ass for that. Well, that's the thing, you know, because you ever go to pro wrestling live, Jay? There are a lot of adults who show up with the real title belts, the $400, $500 versions, and they'll come with multiple. They'll have one around the waist, one over each shoulder. I'm serious. If you were ever there and Luke saw this, he'd be like, why would you ever, you know? And so there's, there's these memes that go out that say, look, pro wrestling fans, you show up somewhere with a belt, you should be forced to defend it on the spot, right? So it's kind of like this guy with the gloves. Somebody's going to challenge him in the parking lot. Yeah, I don't think this night ended well for that guy. All right. Well, Jay, this may be your favorite episode of uh, of MK of all time, not just because Luke hasn't sent you to hell yet. But, Jay, can we talk about your choice of attire in this yes, recently published YouTube clip in which Jay Aaron covers Johnny Cash's I Walk the Line. Yes, indeed. Uh, indeed, that did happen. Oh, that's the same guitar that's sitting over there. So it's oh, OK. It's there, there's, there's product placement there. So, Jay, I'll give you credit. You're a man of all seasons. You 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 dip your stick in many art colors of paint. Yes, and, yes. Um, you know, I, I, look, the well, cover is the cover's not bad, Jay. OK, it's not bad. But Jay, this is one of my better ones. I'll, I'll why be are we dressing like we're homeless here? What's with the fingerless yeah, gloves? There was a there was an emo phase where I'd, I'd come out of the house every day in one of those uh, silly hats every day. Um, the gloves, you know, so uh, behind the music here, this was shot at the old Malka Studios. In Jersey so, City? Yeah, uh, in Hoboken. So we used to be in Hoboken before Jersey City. So this was the elevator, the hallway, the roof, all shot at, at Malka Studios in about uh, about three hours. Shout out Mitch Hooper. And um, um, it was Mitch, cold out. As Mitch, you can see there's snow on the roof. So Mitch Comstein? Kind of, yeah. yeah, I know that guy. Yes, yes. That's how um, the gloves uh, made their way into this. I think it was the tragic choice of the glasses, winter hat, gloves combination. But the rest of it, Jay, that's a nice guitar there, okay? You it know, is a Luke, nice guitar. Luke would never. I, we're going to have to see the analytics after to see how many people have stopped watching. Luke would never allow this to happen, bro. I mean, there's a lot of good. That, that microphone that I had custom done, mutant mics, that was, uh, there's a lot in here. I wish you would have gotten a record deal off of this. Nickelback cover band, maybe. maybe. <laughs> Imagine if Ron Johnson just reappeared in your life. Well, you see how the elevator is moving in this shot? Uh, we were literally a, a, a crew of one. So with one hand, I had my hand on the elevator thing behind my back to make the elevator go up and down. And then with the other hand, I was playing. Uh, a little camera trickery. I'm literally waiting for, for Showtime at the Apollo to come out with the hook right now. For Showtime to just be like, <laughs> this is enough Jason Aaron. But why don't we close with this, Jay? Um, yes. Let's check back in on Prime Jay, because I did a little bit of a YouTube search here. Yeah, you had a band at Rutgers called Indifference. Sure did, sure did. That was my that was my claim. So this was right after the Ron Johnson phase. You know, Ron Johnson was like sophomore year. So the no, boy band failed year. in college. It was a no escape. There yes. was no escape from that. There crap. was. It was a quick escape, actually. Uh, that that book you were talking about, very quick. So then came Indifference. Um, right. So right. is this Prime Jay Aaron right here? I mean, this is this, this looks is, like this top is of the pops. Prime. Yeah, this is super. This is uh, this is end of junior year Prime. 
Uh, ironically, I got sick. I waited for this this opportunity to be on Rutgers TV. That's where this video debuted uh, for forever, and then I got sick. So I, I kind of sounded, eh. but uh, wow. you know, when you're at the school and then you're on the campus television network and you're playing rock music, Belly, check out the hair. On did my chicks dig this? Your your hair looks yeah. like a thirteen year old's bouche. Did you did your uh, did chicks dig this? This whole ensemble was the only way that any action was happening. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was it. The game, the game is, is low, but the you know you, you get a little with the talent. You know, just oh yeah, I'm in the band. That's well, this are. certainly falls into the shit, and we have seen it, Jay. Uh, thank you. Um, you know, it's interesting how you usually get in my ear right in the midst of like a really juicy like John Jones Conor McGregor discussion. Not in my ear at all during this. You're like, hey man, I got more. I got more to show you. <laughs> There's, there's plenty. There's plenty where that came from. There's All right, uh, let, let's go. Let's roll on here. Let's close the show in style here on odds and ends. Um, we got to talk about Deontay Wilder. He'd been very quiet on the interwebs for a while since that loss to Tyson Fury earlier this year. You really haven't seen any quotes from him. He's back, and he's back with a bang. Not just on a Twitter rant, but he did a bunch of interviews as well. Uh, do we have sound? Are we going to play the sound first? Can people hear this? Here and slow to speak. You see, what you don't understand, thief, what you did is what my people deal with all the time. Someone cheating them from providing their greatness into the world. But it's a burden that we cut off only to make us stronger. I saw in the first fight where Ricky had him was pulling down your gloves to put your fist in the improper position. Y'all tried the same method the second time, but this time, you scratch flesh out of my ears, which caused my ears to bleed. It's impossible for a brand new 10 ounce glove to bend, to keep a smushed in form, or to have loose space. I highly believe you put something hard in your glove, something the size and the shape of an egg weight. Here's the reason why the side of my face swelled up in an egg weight form. And it left a dent in my face as well. But in the midst of it all, Dented skull. you still couldn't keep this king down. You would have had to kill me. In the end, it took a crab in a bucket referee and a disloyal trainer to throw the towel in just to stop me. <laughs> Proverbs the Sid chapter 30, 31st says, excuses may be found from a thief who steals because he is starved. But if he is caught, he will have to pay back seven times what he stole, even if he had to sell everything in his house and pay back his punishment. And if if that wasn't enough, Deontay then did an interview with 78 Sports TV in which he called co-trainer Mark Breland, the guy he dismissed for throwing in the towel to protect him, as disloyal and then accused Breland of tampering with his water and possibly adding muscle relaxers. <sighs> Good God, we got a lot to say about this. Uh, here's the deal, okay? This comes off so poor. So poor because of the volume of it. You already had Wilder really making ridiculous excuses after that one-sided loss with my my costume weighed 40 pounds and it tired me out and, and various other stuff. And then to come out now and just pile on one excuse after another in multiple directions. I mean, look, there's a certain element of disillusion that 
con artism that a, that a fighter has to have. You have to believe in yourself at such a sick level to pull through hard times in the ring, to train to be your best when people publicly are like, you don't have it anymore. So I'm never going to be against the guy for being very confident, disillusional in, in themselves. This is just next level, like almost buffoonery here. Here's what I think uh, Wilder really went wrong. If he built this entire defense, if he never talked about the suit, by the way, he seems to have a plausible excuse for not performing well. The fact that he needed bicep surgery right after the fight. He had a medical issue beforehand that he decided to fight through. People do that. But if he built his entire uh, cheating defense around the floppy loose glove of Tyson Fury, I actually believe there's something there. Are the gloves tampered with? Is there a egg timer in it? No. The, 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 the operation and the scrutiny that the Nevada Commission goes through to protect fighters of this type of thing. Remember Antonio Margarito with the plaster of Paris? Boxing commissions don't want this. They don't want deaths in the ring that they find out were on them for not picking up. The, the system for testing gloves is so highly sensitive. There's commission members. There's members of the other team there. You don't get time. You don't bring the gloves home the night before and get to doctor them, okay? That glove's not doctored from Tyson Fury. But we have seen now footage, as you saw there, from both of the Fury-Wilder fights. It does look like on Fury's left hand that he's purposely letting his hand hang out a bit so that the fist is not at the full stuffing level level and maybe at the wrist. Now, even that, it's kind of conspiratory. It's kind of ridiculous, and you're going to get a lot of people going, excuses, excuses. But look, that video does kind of stand up. Fury's landing a lot of these swinging side shots where maybe the fist is at the wrist level and it's landing. You can go back and rewatch the Tyson Fury fight against Christian Hammer a few years ago. The referee saw that brought over the team, made them fix it because the glove was kind of floppy and not in the right spot. If you wanted to build your entire defense on that, I'd say, look, maybe there's something there. Maybe that's a little slight edge playing with the rules that the Furies tried. He didn't load the gloves up. That 40-pound costume didn't lose you the fight. And Mark Breland was the guy who was there to save you, save you from what was a pretty savage beating over seven rounds. And Wilder, we know, is tough enough to just keep going. And to throw Breland out of the camp and now be like, yeah, I think he put muscle relaxers in. Look, it's not as new as you think. There's been more fighters than you realize, from Vladimir Klitschko to George Foreman to Antonio Tarver, who after big losses have made the, made the claim, hey, I, I just didn't feel like myself. I felt like somebody drugged me. We've seen that before. But to add six, seven different excuses on one, like this is just not a good look for Deontay Wilder. Um, I would have liked it a million times more as with anybody else. If he just said, look, I was off that night. Shout out to Tyson Fury. He beat me, but we're contractually obligated for a third one. And I'm going to prove everybody wrong. That's how you take the L. Okay. You want to talk about the injury up? We've seen that before, right? Pacquiao played up the shoulder injury to try to get a Mayweather rematch. If he wanted to go that road. Okay. If he even wanted to go the loose glove thing again, look at the video. There's something there. But the rest of this is just like, we're really going to pile dirt on Mark Breland's grave here. A guy who, who tr who's, who's been there before at the amateur and pro elite levels. who's a hall of famer who's trying to save you from yourself. And you're just going to drop a deuce on him. That's just not a good look. I, I hope Deontay Wilder does come back and look better than ever. I hope he uses this time off from the quarantine 
to improve in areas that that we never we've never seen from him, or just double down and become the most insane destroyer in the early rounds that we've seen. Whatever, I want to see him come back and look good and have big opportunities to redeem himself. This is not the right way to go. You're not going to gain sympathy from anyone. It looks really bad, and you're seeing that with the social media reaction. Many top fighters just coming out and just being like, "Dude, you've lost it," you know. And it's not just a I got a lot of belief in myself. I can't accept the loss. It's just, it's a little bit sad what we're seeing right here. So um, uh, he, Deontay did talk about maybe a lawsuit to try to get this third fight to happen. Bob Arum and company are believing that the contract says they have an out. I'm not really sure. I do hope we see everyone back in big fights. I want Fury and Joshua, right? I want Deontay Wilder to build himself back up and get back in there with the super elites. Focus on that. Let's not focus on anything else, okay? Um, please, please. That's just that's just bad. All right, let me close odds and ends here by updating you on something you don't really want or want an updating on or need. I mean, you had enough of Jay in your face here. Uh, my Genesis addiction on vinyl is just through the roof, and I love it. I never thought I'd get into a band like this, and it's taken over. It's it's They're the MVP of my quarantine. And some people said, hey, BC, your last rant, you're a cash. You like the Phil Collins era? Well, I, I acquired the Phil Collins era first. Yeah, I do kind of like it. But there's nothing. There's nothing like the Peter Gabriel era. You go back and watch the concerts on YouTube with the, the attire and the showmanship. And then you go out and you acquire nursery nursery crime. Selling English by the pound. Selling England by the pound. And the lamb lies down on Broadway. And you're talking about life-changing stuff. All right there. All right. If you don't like Prague, you don't like 70s, you don't know about this band. They could change your life too like they've changed mine. Um I'm sorry that I accidentally Hagard myself there for a second. I like Sammy Hagar. I got that Van Halen-ish. But nothing's Roth, right? Nothing's Roth, like like DLR. No, nothing's Roth. And nothing's Peter Gabriel, Prime, Genesis. Um, it's some life-changing-ish. And I'm, and I'm proud to say that I am on the right side of history. I'm filling in the gaps. I've almost got the complete collection. Uh, this vinyl-ish has changed my life. Jay, do you, do you mess around with the vinyl at all? Jay? Jay? My ear, Jay. I need. To, I'm gonna have to hear you to speak. Yeah, to I had to turn the thing off. Don't worry. Uh, that's a no. That's a hard no. All right. Well, to. we had a good show, Jay. We had a great I show. To. Um, uh, you know, good records, though. Good yeah, day. I'm having good a midlife choice. crisis. I bought four giant speakers for this tiny office. Yeah, it is what it is. Uh, so here's the deal, folks. Uh, please like the video, subscribe as always. Tried my best today to give you something different and good without the great Luke Thomas here. We wish Luke well. Big day for him today. I think you all know where I'm going. Hopefully he'll have more to report when he returns. Um, MK's going big. Luke Thomas is already big. Your boy Big Bass trying to get big here. But we're a family. We're together. Shout out to Jay Aron for filling in the gaps and being with me today. Follow us on all the social webs below. Uh, at Luke Thomas News, L Thomas News. Can we get a better handle than that, Luke, please? Can you get a handle on that, bro? Uh, at Morning Combat, all that great stuff. Uh, I'm going to have some big interviews this week as well, okay? Little, little Corey Anderson making his Bellator debut this week. So please check that out. That is Thursday night against Melvin Manhoof. Uh, some, some decent boxing coming your way this week as well. We'll get into later in the week. Live Wednesday, live Friday, bonus in between. It's MK all day, nearly every day, folks, okay? Uh, this is your new norm. I am your boy, Brian Campbell, the big beige one, signing off with two words, folks. We out.